Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you like what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. And today uh, we get to welcome someone I grew up idolizing on TV, uh, Marcus Buff Bagwell, a five-time WCW World Tag Team Champion and a stalwart on television through my youth, uh, notably through the NWO years. And he's a podcast host himself now, and he's doing some really cool things uh, where he took the plunge recently to make his life better. That includes working with Diamond Dallas Page. So, uh, Marcus, it's great it's to have you. Huge man, thank you so much, dude. It's Dallas is everybody knows, but still. He's such a great guy, bro. He's just such a great guy. And he really is just, I think he's just, you know, almost inhuman. He just I, he just wants the best for everybody. He's just a true blue great guy, man. I, uh, we've had Mark, or Mark Barrow on the show, and we talked about Oh, my stuff, God. He, he does. Barrow or Super yes. Tight, bro. And uh, we spent some time talking about Dom Dallas Page and this this concept of someone like him who had this long career and illustrious career in wrestling, but his higher purpose now is helping others. And not necessarily oh, yeah. just wrestlers or other athletes, but people that want to lose weight or people who are down in the dumps. And I, I want to start this talk here because for someone like you to, I mean, as men, there's a stigma where it's tough for us to ask for help, right? Even if we want to ask for directions, but for you to get to the point in your life where it's like, you know what? I need to get with Diamond Dallas Page. I trust him. I trust what he's done, but I also need him to help me figure out what the hell I'm doing. And so can, can I talk us through that process? What it's like finally reaching out to him. The WWE, um, again, there's been several guys that have gone several times. Well, then Dallas was told that because I sued Vince, that's why I did not get, uh, that that's why they said no. Well, we found, then Dallas found out that the other guys that got accepted, they had sued the WWE. So Dallas was pissed off about it. You know, he was like, bro, come on, man. This is crazy, you know. So long story short, you know, um, I just decided, I said, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast and name it Rebuilding Buff. I'll, I'll, I'll do this on my own. I'm strong enough. I know I am. I really wasn't that bad. I just, it was just time to, you know, to man up. And um, go ahead. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things too, where it's like as a as a fellow man, even to ask for directions to a a place, like I don't, I feel like there's a stigma with men asking for help, and it's it's been amazing watching someone like Jake the Snake, uh, the late great Scott Hall, yourself, take those steps to be like, you know what, there I could get help, and this just again, just the courage to do that. It's just, and I'm so happy for you that you're in this position now where you could do that and you started this podcast. Like, it's just really awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I, I make myself, I feel like I'm the kind of guy that's the most selfish, unselfish person in the world. But 
you know, I've got to tan, I've got to train, I've got to eat certain ways. So I know that that's a lot. So I try to do the other side as best I can to be, you know, a good guy. And, um, but I've never put somebody else in front of me. And I did, and it worked. And, um, and I started realizing how, how much it meant to me and how much, how much better I felt by putting them in front of me and making them number one instead of making me number one. And just not making it about me, making it about them. Step up and help, help CC. Step up and help T Dog at the at the, at the crib. Step up and help Milton. He was, you know, you're the only one that helps with dishes. I said, baby, I said, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I look like it, but I'm I'm a clean freak too, you know. Right. So I'm right here. I said, I'm right here with you, baby. And so, so we went from clashing to, you know, being a family. This is like a big brother show but we get along we we're trying to be a family not How, be arguing and stuff right and it's it's all part of being organic too like the anger obviously stems from you put the time in and he put the time in so i mean it's totally understandable right as you as you step into the house though and i know i don't want to bring up the the tragedy of scott hall but I know he was successful with that program, everything we saw through him, but here you are going through that house after his passing. It's like, did that have more of a profound impact on you? Oh, bro, for starters, let's go both of them. I mean, Jake and Scott came through there. So Jake got, he's eight years sober now. And, and, And Scott, Dallas at least gave him 10 more years and that's how Dallas looked at it and that's how Dallas feels is he at least gave him 10 more years because Scott wouldn't have made it 10 more without Dallas he wouldn't have right so long story short he feels like that makes him feel like okay I did all I can do you know with that but at the same time we all wish Scott Hall was still here you know but I heard something the other day that I'm, I'm going to share with you that's deep. And it was a guy, I'm not going to say his name, but a guy that said that Scott was real, real paranoid about COVID. And he was wondering, with all the stuff we've heard about COVID, getting a shot today and having a stroke tomorrow. And I mean, there's just so much out there. Right. In other words, I'm never going to take a COVID shot. People can do what they want, freedom of speech, all that. Go get your shot if you to. I'm never going to do it. Never. Right. Never. What I've heard and what I've seen. And, but he thought his opinion was he goes, I'm just saying. He goes, what if he just went crazy on getting every shot he had to get and that caused the bloodlines, you know, 
Right. So, you know, we'll never know. We're not God. We'll never know. But it, it was a, it was a different spin on it. You know, it really was. Because Scott Hall is going, it's like Elvis. I mean, six feet under, bro. He's going to be just as powerful as he was uh, above ground, bro. Right. Scott Hall. I mean, he's going to still change lives. And he's just, he's just, he's just razor remote, bro. I mean, my God, I think it's one of the biggest stars in the world. When, what I found interesting over the years, getting to talk to different wrestlers and all different, whether it's TNA, WCW, WWE, whatever it is, I've always been amazed by the sense of like the family or like the brotherhood, sisterhood type thing, where it's like, sure, you might be at a rival promotions, whatever, but at the end of the day, like you stick up for each other. And one of the coolest moments I've saw uh, years, a couple of years ago when Bret Hart, that fan jumped the ring and all these wrestlers beat the, the crap out of this guy. And rightfully so. But it was that moment where I realized there are people here that don't really know each other, but because it was a wrestler being attacked or someone saying negative things about him, sure. they all jumped in. And well, I absolutely. talk about that and talk about that because I think it's super powerful. Well, um, I'll tell you an incident that I was actually completely in. And it was in Macon, Georgia. And a fan, keep in mind, when a fan jumps over that fence, he's paid for. <laughs> he's paid for. Legal, I mean, legally and all that, he's paid for. But at the same time, we're sitting there, and he, um, he goes, you know, all of a sudden, before we know it, this guy is on Eric Bischoff's back. And bro, Scott Norton was the first one there, and then Rick Rude. And they beat this guy, I mean, to the point where I'm wondering where he's at today. Because <laughs> I mean it wasn't good. But that's just that's just that's just what we do. We whether we may not like each other a lot, or maybe there's even a little heat between us. It's right. still the brotherhood of of wrestlers. And we are, we're, we're, we're a family and we, and, you know, so we do what we got, got to do, you know. At what point in your career did the lines blur between Marcus Bagwell and Buff Bagwell? Like, was there ever a point in your life where it's like, man, I don't know who's who, but I look in the mirror. No, absolutely not. Because I'm, I'm only Buff Bagwell when the red light is on the camera. You're talking to Marcus Bagwell right now. I like that. And I stay Marcus Bagwell. And the catch is to kind of jump forward and talk about WWE and me getting fired from them. They didn't get a chance to meet Marcus Bagwell. And WCW, keep in mind, I survived five bosses. I survived... 11 years, there's only two guys that went the full 11 years, and that was Sting and I. Yep. So, you know, how do you go from that to getting fired in a couple of weeks? And then everybody believed the story. 
trying to make it in the WWF at the time. And I'm going to call my mom for drives and to literally drives and go to my, be back at my home that night. And then Atlanta was raw. Come on. I mean, no, I mean, you just don't do that. And somehow or another, the, the public believed it. Now, the horrible match wasn't so bad. The, the, the mother thing is ridiculous. But at first, everybody believed it because Jim Rawls called me up and said, keep in mind, I only got three witnesses in the story. Jesus Christ, me, and Jim Rawls. And he right. said, hey, buddy, stay home. Let your head heal. And, um, and then we'll, because Mary Shane Helms hit me with the ice bottle thing in the head and let me wide open. So tried 25 staples, all that. Didn't, didn't use their doctors, didn't tell them. I just did my things. I didn't want to cause no problems. And they ended up, um, you know, um, I, I showed up to Raw that day. And I said hello to Shane and the Hardy Boys, and they didn't wave or say hello back. So I went straight to Johnny Ace. Yep. And I said, bro, I said, we got to talk. And I said, I said there's, a, there's a lot going on that I didn't tell you about. Um, all the guys didn't want me to say anything, but, you know, it's time to say it now. And so I did, and he got everybody together and made everybody kind of make up and stuff. Because keep in mind, Johnny's job was to have those 12 WCW guys that got hired from your Chuck Palumbo's, your Gendrax, your Stasiacs, yep. to your Hugh Morris's, to your Booker T's, Buff Bagels, and Dallas Pages. Um, and But it was kind of understood that Dallas, Buff, and Booker had a job. Yep. The rest of the guys were just kind of hoping and trying. That was what was kind of the story. Now, for me, I don't look at things like that. I'm like, huh, the hell you say? <laughs> I, I ain't got no contract in front of me. I don't know. I mean, this may not be you know, good. This may be bad. And the old saying, the first one through the through the you know, through the wall gets bloody. And bro, I got bloody. Right. I got bloody. When, when in terms of actual matches, when, when someone misses a, a cue or uh, we'll talk about your Rick Steiner incident where uh, you hurt your back, do you ever hold resentment toward each other? Or is it one of those things where it's like yeah. you're, not, you're not trying to hurt each other and stuff does happen? Absolutely. Like Rick, for example, um, told me later on that he actually needed shoulder a shoulder surgery. And that's why he missed me. I'd taken a bulldog about a thousand times from Rick Steiner. But yep. still, that's Rick Steiner from the top rope, 280 <laughs> pounds, and you can't see him. So he's got to grab you to go down, make it look good. 
and he misses me. And so I, being the performer and entertainer I am, I instantly go, hey, you know, oh my God, there's live cameras here. And I, this is like in a split second, you know, you got to think of this. And I said, so I try to catch up to him. And when I try to catch that way, the announcers could say, oh, you know, you try to get the bulldog, but he just didn't quite catch him all the way. Or they could say something, you know. Yeah. Well, as I'm trying to catch up to him, he hits the mat, comes back into me, and my neck goes back, and I break, I break my neck. And um, so I was paralyzed for about 11 minutes. Now, what actually technically happened was um, I bruised my spinal cord. And, but when you bruise your spinal cord, you think you're paralyzed. Because you feel paralyzed, uh, you're, you're 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 paralyzed, dude. And um, so it, it was it was eleven minutes of just I mean like eleven hours, you know. It was right. crazy. And I mean, and I was a big person on not saying why to God. If you go with why to God, man, there's just so many whys. Why, why, why is that? Why is my kid an athlete and uh, his kid's not? Why, why is uh, that girl good looking and that girl's ugly? I mean, there's so many whys out there in the world that you just don't want to put God under the thing of why. Right. So, but I came up with a different, I did, so I didn't want to say why. It's my big thing. And so I came up with, I asked him, I said, is this really the plan you had for me? Is this really the plan that you had for me? And, 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 and about that time, our trainer goes, your left hand's moving. And I go, what? And, and I keep my hand, look up and look at it because I'm paralyzed. And right. I think. It, I mean, I'm paralyzed, but I'm, my, my spinal cord is bruised at three, four, and six, seven. So three, four is like about right here down. One, two is your breathing. Right. That's why he's on Christopher Reeves, has to be like, you know, with yeah. his wheelchair and all that. That's one, two. Three, four is just a little bit lower, bro. So I remember even when he first missed me and, and I broke my neck. Or thought bro and egg. I hit the mat. I was smothering in the mat and didn't and I couldn't move. And then Rick turned me over and when our eyes met, I went, I'm paralyzed. His eyes got that big and, and, and I was like, now how do how, what do we do now? Now the finish of the match is Scott Steiner comes running down. And, and and hits Rick with a chair, puts me on top, and W.O. wins. But instead, um, he and I'm. If you watch it back, I'm going. Blah, 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 blah. I'm blabbering everything. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Blah, 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 blah. When you go paralyzed, you don't care about kayfabe or 
you know, not talking or not letting, not, you, know, you don't care about none of that when you're paralyzed. And so, um, Scotty heard me and he was just going to hit Rick with a chair, knock Rick off and put my arm over Rick. One, two, three in WON. And as soon as he put my arm over Rick, my arm went. So two guys are laying back to back and the ref goes. Everybody's like, well, who won? What's going on? And our announcers never listened to what we were doing or what was going on because that way they could call it better and it sounded more real. It'd be like, if you knew a touchdown was coming and you were a football announcer, you'd be like, oh, 20, 10, 5, touchdown. But instead, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, my God, 20, 10, touchdown. Oh, my God. So they wanted to be like that and really watch it and call it as they saw it, which made it a much better program. And, um, but yeah, but um, I, you know, got taped down and all that. So at this stage, my fingers and toes are moving. And that's it. And that's all I can move, which I thought was a good sign, but still, you're still petrified and scared. And, um, but I went to the hospital and all that, CAT scans, MRIs, all that stuff. And then um, he, the doctor walks in and goes, sit up. I said, what? He goes, sit up. Wow. So they're untaping my they're untaping me from the board and all that. I kind of slowly set up. Keep in mind, God just took my life away mentally, and then God just gave it back. And that's a pretty big deal. And I was like, I kind of set up and moved my arms. I kind of posed and and just felt my arms and everything felt, I said, you got to explain this to me. And that's when he explained it. When my neck hit Rick Steiner, my cervical disc hit my spinal cord. It did not sever it, it hit it. So when it hit it, it bruised. So medically what happened to me was I bruised my spinal cord. And then when I bruised my spinal cord, that's, you know, you don't know it, but when it swells, it ain't a stinger, you're paralyzed, you think. But once the swelling goes down, you can move again. So it was like unbelievable, you know. Uh, I mean, Ivan just, just like, oh, God, thank you so much. You know, my God, what do I say? I mean, thinking it's not even enough. I mean, just I got, I got my life back. You know, it's crazy. Now, obviously, you've had the, you've had some awesome tag teams, winning the belt five times. But you're when you worked with Scott Norton, who I think is criminally underrated, and with the vicious, yes. vicious, that whole thing you guys did. Like, how fun is it to have a good tag team partner where it's like you actually are friends and could really do and change the landscape of professional wrestling? It's great. And just so you know, the reason me and Scott were not world tag team champions ever is because the night that I bruised my spinal cord, um, 
we were vicious and delicious versus Lex Luger and Rick Steiner. Main event, Nitro. And um, we're in Columbia, South Carolina. And um, so we're, you know, the main event, all that. Well, Vision and Delicious just had to call. We were, we were just getting over. We were like the first NWO tag team that really was getting over. And so when I got healed and was back, which was about three months before I could go out with Scotty, for example, when I came back in three months, Norton was in Japan. So instead of waiting for Norton for this live TV, they put me with Scotty, Scott Steiner. And me and Scotty had a hell of a run too, you know, right. a hell of a run. And so that's why Vicious and Delicious was interrupted by the road network. It's, it's such a, it's so cool to see how your dynamic of what you do versus him. And I, I just, I just, I've always just loved it. It just seemed believable. And even you and Scott, uh, Scotty, like it just seemed like these are two very believable world. They look like world champions. They look the part, they, they do the walk, they do the talk. It's, it's pretty rare to have people who can talk on the microphone and literally dish out beatings. Right. It's hard to have both, bro. And, yeah. and, and the catch is, is to have, you got to have both to make it this business that really make it, make it. I mean, uh, that's the catch. I mean, and it's, I'm not saying it because I'm in this business, but it really, really, truly is one of the hardest businesses to get popular in because, it, like, for example, if I threw a football to Ric Flair, and ask him to throw that football back to me. There's no way a spiral football is going to come back to me because he's not an athlete like that. Right. But one of the best wrestlers, in the, if not the best, in the history of time. So wrestling is a very, very almost unexplainable different sport because you got to have all the things that are obvious, a look, charisma, some swag, uh, some mic skills, uh, uh, ability in the ring, uh, athleticism, they're, they're still in there, uh, but it's just not all of what it means. And it's, it just, um, you know, it, it, being around Rick learned so much. You know, one of the things Rick taught me was you're only as good is who you wrestle. And I was like, wow, you're you're right. Because I don't care how great you are, if you don't have somebody with you that's at least decent, the match is gonna be horrible. Horrible. Because you're only as good as who you wrestle. And that's what got me over with all of the older guys that loved me so much, like Rick and and, and Arn Anderson and your, I mean, all of the workers right. that could work. Because you could tell me, and I'd do it and get it perfect for them, but they also got to beat me, and they were beating somebody that looked pretty good that could work. 
So it wasn't like beating a job guy. It was beating somebody that really, you know, had a, had a look, had a swag, had some charisma, and, you know, was was a rookie coming up in the, in the industry. And um, so, you know, it just worked. And then they did the steam coming out and saved me from the Dangerous Alliance, and they beat me to death. I'd be like, Sting, hurry. You know, my God, please hurry. But I also got to get Polly with a cell phone. And before there were cell phones, he had the, like the crazy phone. And so, you know, I, they did me right, but I was rubbing elbows with Sting at every TV taping. Because whoever Sting was going to wrestle, I had to go out and get beat up, and Sting would come save me to make it, to make it. You know, hit him a baby face, and he saved the rookie. And Henry Rick had an angle. Uh, and then Van Bader, same thing. Van Bader beat me up, kept beating me up. Sting came out, which Wichita, Kansas, never forget it. He came out, got me, grabbed me, saved me from the ring. But at the same time, I'm getting rubbed elbows with Sting, an icon, you know, and, and was lucky enough that he liked me and loved me. I love him. Um, to give me that chance, that opportunity at the same time, but it was just really, really, really a lot of fun, and, uh, and it worked. You mentioned kayfabe earlier, and, and during the height of the NWO, which was just pure insanity, rewrite the rules, you guys do your thing. Was it tough to maintain that sense of we're NWO when you're flying to a city or driving to a town? Like, how did that work, or was there rules in place where it's like, hey, if you're NWO, you got to stay NWO? even on days off? Oh, well, well, I mean, times change. Like, for example, when Bill Watts was on the company, right before Eric, Bill Watts would fly the baby faces on one plane. Oh, wow. And he flew the heels on the other. And if you were taught, if you were called talking in the gym together, you got fired. I mean, Bill was real big on kayfabe, and now, you know, kayfabe's completely gone. Everybody's smart business, entertainment, and but at the same time, I think it's uh, it's been a great thing to happen because it's uh, it's people want to hear the, the, the you know the, the people want to hear the David Copperfield trick. They want to see the David Copperfield uh, make the tiger disappear. You know, they want to know it, but um, at the same time, you know, that's kind of like wrestling. They, you know, uh, it was, they didn't know how we quite did what we did. And and to do it without tripping, falling on live TV and pulling it off is what made it successful. Do you feel like shows like uh, Dark Side of Wrestling or other, doc I think the Beyond the Mat documentary from the, the decades ago, uh, do you think that does more harm to wrestling or is it what you're talking about kind of peels back the story of how this guy was murdered or how this match went or if the Montreal screw job was real or not? Like, or do you think some of that stuff just be kind of left to the imagination of the viewer? Um. I think it's good for the business because it shows that it is really real, whether right. the finish is predetermined or not. The other 99% of the match is what is too 
big badass guys that are wrestling each other. So all this, the only thing that's you know fake at all about pro wrestling is the ending, and you got to do that just to keep the storylines going. Right. And but the rest of it was that we didn't talk about it. We talked about it as wrestlers on what we're going to do to build up. So we worked backwards. Every wrestler works backwards from their finish. And they work backwards from, okay, here's the finish they gave us. Now let's let's build. What can we do to build that all the way to the opening spot that makes sense when we get to that finish? Right. And that's 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 how we did it, and that's for the kitchen. What makes what my success was from on being you know the, the champ five times with five different partners is because you know Scorpio was not like Luger. Scorpio was not like Luger. Luger was not like. Uh, uh, Scotty Riggs. Riggs wasn't like Shane Douglas. I mean, it was just different. You know, it was different. Um, so, um, but the good news is that made me a better wrestler. It made me to adapt to because I was the little one, and I had I was the one that took the heat and gave the big man the tag from this delicious to Dale Will, Scott Riggs' soul to to everybody was, you know, except Scotty Riggs. Riggs is the only one that I was the veteran with, with the American Mills. He was the one that took the heat, give me the hot tag, you know. And we we said, we, we won a world belt too, you know, so. Your, you know, uh, your and, I, and I, I highly recommend people to follow you on Twitter because it's, especially after like a AW uh, event or WWE, you're very vocal but it's never in a starking way or demeaning to a product. It's you're very, obviously you know what you're talking about. And I find it, it's kind of cool that you are still a fan of wrestling. If that makes sense. Where like, I'm like, dude, I'm huge. I'm a huge fan of wrestling. I mean, today uh, I got, I was, I've been sick today a little bit. I didn't feel good. And I, I haven't said the word I'm sick in a long time. And, um, but, um, they, a guy that at the crib today showed me before I left. He said, um, he goes, did you see last night? And I, and I said, no, dude. I said, I was sick. I didn't feel good. And I was doing a podcast during that time. And he goes, dude, he goes, watch this. And he showed me where Darby, uh, Darby came off that damn ladder, dude, on the chairs. How this went? What? 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 I said, that's in the hole. I said, the, he goes, why do you think you did it? I go, because they got it. They keep up in the game. And the ladder gets higher, higher, and the odds get more and more. You know, and it's just the way it is in the business. I mean, if you did the same thing again, it wouldn't, I mean, I mean, the chair thing you could do a thousand times and they get over. But I mean, that was a damn, that was the damnest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it really would it, was. Would it have been difficult for you to do what some of the wrestlers did the last two years when they wrestled in that bubble with no fans? It was all kind of augmented, kind of reality-based. Or would you have been able to kind of figure out your niche in there and make it work? Like, how difficult mentally? Oh, it would, oh it would no. I could, I could have definitely done it. Let me tell you the reason why. 
if you remember, we did that. The NWO. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Was where we weren't allowed in the ring. We weren't allowed in the in the in the, in the arena. So we would go to our show with nobody there. So it is hard. It is tough, and all that. But at the same time, we. It's actually it was harder than what they did now because what we did was there was no sound, no sound effects, and you can hear Kevin Nash and Scott all talking about your match. I mean, it's like you want to laugh, you want to get. I mean, it's it's it's, yeah, it's funny, and at the same time, you're like, I just just shut up so I can concentrate on this match. But they were so great at what they did. You know that it just um, turned out to be a great day, but we did that several times, and that was it with the screens, at least some fans on a screen. I mean, we had nobody in the building, and I had to have a Mac. Now that's that's, that's hard, tough. bro. That's tough. The what? What is the history of your famous hat? Like it, when I first saw the hat, when you start doing your strut down the ramp. That's what I kind of I kind of was like, man, this is a character. It's awesome, and not a lot. A lot of wrestlers strive to have that one item that resonates with them, whether it's Ric Flair in his robe or. But your hat, like, what's the history of that? And like, how much say do you have in kind of creating how iconic that hat is? The hat, the hat came from. I'm a, I'm a big ball cap person, and um, and Lids was the big ball cap place back then. I'm not sure if Lids too yeah, yeah, still, it's still out there. Right. Uh, are they? And, um, but, the, you know, they, we went there one day and um, on the top shelf, way in the back, my, uh, we see a top hat and my, my wife goes, don't try that top hat on. I said, what? And so I, I put it on. And as soon as I put it on, she went, Mark. That looks incredible on you. And so I thought, well, damn, let's buy it. Maybe I can do something with this. And then my mom is with the thought of my yeah. face on the top. And and then it just kind of went from there as I mean, bro, the hat gets booked and I come along with the hat. <laughs> it's uh it's just so cool. I just all that stuff, those memories. I just even talk to you now, it's I've always been blown away where everyone I know, whether you're a doctor, a mechanic, a farmer, uh, a student, whatever it is, whatever generation you are, the idea that wrestling, people love wrestling. And it's, I, it always goes back to times where I was watching my grandfather when I was little or my father, um, where I just like, oh, man, just all that stuff. Like, I remember my dad telling stories when they went to the old Boston Garden where uh, – uh, Dean Morocco uh, spit on him because he was a bad guy at the time, and Hulk Hogan came out. Like all these memories you have of this stuff, it's like I, I I always wonder if generations from now, like who are the who are the ten year olds now that are going to be looking at the Darby Allens today and stuff, and going like, oh man, remember this? Like it's I, I never want this idea of wrestling to go away. Right. Um, to answer your question, like I'll catch myself talking to fans about you know nwo and wrestling and all that right. stuff and and i'm trying to dodge the question that it's getting ready to come and they'll say you yeah, know how long ago was that 
and I don't want to say. So I'll go, it's a long time ago, man. And he'll go, no, really, how long ago? I'll be like, 20-something years. And their face just goes like, uh, I'm like, oh, my God. Because what was cool 20 years ago and what was happening, I'm still getting booked for and, and people still come up to me and love me and I love them because I'm a huge people person. Right. And, and so it just works. It just works. It works, but it works because of being in the NWO and having that great run we had. Yeah, it's just awesome. And uh, kind of to tie into like the, your podcast and stuff, Rebuilding Buff, in turn, what are your goals for that? If people want to check it out, like where do they hear that? Where do they tune in and stuff like that? Um, it's on all the major platforms and we're on Twitch now. Our awesome. big thing is on Twitch. Um, but we also, you know, like last night Medusa was on our show. I mean, uh, just because she came into the, yeah. you know, the, the chat room. But we, um, I got a really good uh, podcast uh, partner that helps me out with all of it. And we just, once a week, we go out and just do a podcast, you know. And um, it just, you know, we just talk about the shows and who I like and from, you know, the Jungle Boy to all those guys. I mean, it's just, a, you know, it really is just, uh, you know, the, it's a, it's a different era, bro. It's a totally different era. Is the only thing that makes me mad that was never like this is back in, go back as far as you want. And how many wrestlers did you ever see that had their teeth, their shirts on when they wrestled? Think oh, about inter- it. Interesting. None. Yeah, I mean, George Amble, Steele, Chief Strong, none of them. Everybody took their shirt off, right? (laughs) Now, fat guys and out-of-shape guys that can wrestle pretty good are able to put shirts on and hide the fact that they don't look good. Where me and Scotty Steiner look like professional bodybuilders and we're still great in the ring. And that made us, that's what separated us and got us over is because of that. These other guys, and I dog them out all the time because it's not fair. Take your shirt off, man. That's not wrestling your shirt on. And there's just a lot of shirts nowadays, as you know. It is. And back a long time ago, bro, think about it, there wasn't shirts. There, I mean, the people in the crowd weren't wearing shirts back then. What's I guess what's interesting, and you kind of hinted about it, that as times change, this idea that maybe wrestling is too macho or uh, body shaming and stuff like that. But it, I, I think we see a lot of that when the WWE goes to like Saudi Arabia, the, the idea of women wrestling can't show skin. And I get that side of it, I guess. Um, right. But do you think that we are in a time and age where wrestling has to be creative to make people feel comfortable to be who they are in terms of but it, 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 to your point, though, it's like when I see like a Keith Lee take his shirt off, and he's not in the best shape, but the guy moves like a cat. Uh, it's kind of comforting. It's like, dude, this guy's proud of who he is. He's not ashamed of. Him. Right, right. He's not ashamed to take his shirt off. I just think it's just not wrestling. If you go back 
75 to 100 years. It's Even the not Spartans. wrestling. Right. It's not wrestling. Yes. This is not wrestling with a shirt on. It's just not. And these guys are able to, you know, put their shirts on because they're a little chubby or a little out of shape. And we didn't have that option, bro. It was like, you know, we got to be lean and shredded and, and we put this out there. So we got to keep doing it every Monday, you know? And so, but, but you, but, but you do got a point and it's a different generation, bro. I mean, the shirts and stuff. So, you know, yeah, I, I think it gives more guys a chance to be a star. And that's what happens out of it, you know, is it gives you guys more chance. Now, as you've got older, health has changed and eating habits have changed. I, I kind of picture like someone like you or the Steiners, whoever, all these alpha male muscular dudes, either carb loading and catering craft services before the shows, or were you guys all, even then, the chicken, the proteins, like the eating healthy? Like, how did you maintain being on the road yet? having look at that lifestyle uh, a lot of work bro people that come up to me and they go oh man I, I i can't work out because i travel for a living i go you're <laughs> saying that to the wrong dude bro i said i built buff bag on the road you know you can't say that to me um so there is no excuse if you truly want to be in shape you can get to the gym you can find time to do it we did and and you can but um you know just just um but but at the same time it did start getting to where there were like cookie cutters everybody was you know lean and shredded lean and shredded lean and shredded and all that you know so at the same time it was you know it was you know i, I do get it i do get it now, before I let you go, obviously you're on social media, Twitter, uh, all that place like that. You got a website. Where, if people want to reach out to you, find you, support you, do you recommend they just go to you, find you on social media? How do you want to do that? The best way to go is go to marcusbuffbible.com. That's my website. That will tell you every place to go uh, to get in touch with me from Twitter on, from Twitter to, to Instagram. It shows everything. And it's also got all of my DVDs and all of my eight by tens, and it's just, it's just a really good place to start. So always just go to MarcusBuffBagwell.com. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to everything you're going to be doing with Davidell's page, and uh, and I also Marcus, thank you for jumping on it because growing up, like, you were you were one of my five top people. Every every night you're on tune, I want to see that strut. And, whatever shenanigans you're getting into. And so it's, it's, it's truly awesome seeing you happy and healthy right now. And the stuff you do with Domino's page, I hope it changes the world again, man. I, I'm truly. It, it, it changed me so much. And I'm so happy. And Dallas is so proud of me. And, and I'm proud of myself, to be honest with you. And the crowd is the fans are, are proud. So we're, I'm going to keep moving forward, man. And thank you for having me on your show. No, thank you, sir. And uh, we will have to do this again down the line. Thank you so much. Brother, I'm a phone call away. You know that I'm easy. And John, thank you so much. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk. You might not know this, but before I record an episode, I like to break a sweat. And I do that using the chop fit. 
Over the course of the past year, the ChaFit has allowed me to lose weight, tone up my body, and feel even more amazing about myself. A feeling that you should all feel about yourself as well. If you use this code, SPEARCHOP10, you get $10 off your order. Once again, use code SPEARCHOP10 for $10 off your ChaFit order. It'll change your life. Thank you. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.